Welcome to the Alberta Wedding Podcast, a platform for Alberta wedding professionals and couples to connect, learn, and share ideas. I'm your host, wedding videographer Kevin Marr. With over 100 weddings behind me, I'm your guide to all things weddings in this great province of ours. I am so excited for the next guest that I have here on the Alberta Wedding Podcast. This uh, gentleman that I've known for uh, some time now, actually most of my uh, profession here in the industry of uh, weddings, this gentleman has officiated over 340 ceremonies at this point and uh, counting. And he's someone that I've done a lot of weddings with up to this point. And every time I see his name on the vendor list, I get excited because I know he is going to bring it. And our couples are in just the best of hands with uh, this uh, next gentleman. So uh, without further ado, I am pleased and so excited to have Dave Sawcheck on here, an Alberta wedding commissioner for coming up to five years here, right, Dave? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just uh, five years next uh, month, five years early March. And thank you for that introduction. It is Wow, I was like, he's talking about me, right? I was like, oh yeah, that is me. I, there's not another guest here. That's that's very flattering. I appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. And honestly, when I knew that uh, I wanted to do this podcast, uh, I had to have you on because I know we've uh, talked to great lengths in the past about the industry. And I think the last time we uh, really talked about the industry was right at the beginning of the pandemic. But Let's go a little further back, and I'd love for you to share your story with our listeners here on how you got involved, because it is kind of mysterious on how you become a marriage commissioner in the first place. Yeah, it's almost mysterious. How do you get into the wedding business? Like, it is such a weird... It is, right? So my story is, come from a radio background of 20 years of broadcast radio, and then I became a radio instructor, and in my early 40s now, I'm 43... But when I was in my 30s, in fact, let me go back even further. In my 20s, all my friends were getting married and I was the MC. And then I, I was in my 30s and I was going to more ceremonies. And I just saw ceremonies that I thought were not the best. And I got curious, how do you become a marriage commissioner? Did my research, found out it's an appointed position from Service Alberta. I applied every six months for five years until I was uh, given an interview. And then I was given my first appointment almost exactly five years ago in uh, 2018. So for me, it was really born out of something that you and I were actually just talking about (laughs) before you hit the record button, of course. And it was your quote. And I wrote it down because I thought it was so good. It was like, you know, we got to elevate our industry. And I guess I organically saw it from afar and thought, you know, you you look at something, you I could do it better than that. And I'm not saying I could, I just, I have this like confidence about me, I guess. I was like, I could do it better. I was sure I could. I'm not you know, sure the first few weren't that great, but but uh, I really wanted a need to see Albertans serve to the highest level on one of the most important days of their life. And I really wanted to take on that responsibility. And I, I couldn't wait to put my hand up to do the work. No, that's amazing. And the fact that it wasn't just a shoe in for you, as you mentioned, you applied multiple times. How was that? Like, Did you feel at some point that you just needed to give up? on your dream. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you mention it. I, I Not long before I got my final interview and, and my first appointment, I turned to my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and I just said, like, why am I trying so hard? Like, if there's someone else that can do it better than me, 
I hope they've found that person. Like I hope they've picked and those people, right? Because there are many Alberta marriage commissioners, there are many in Edmonton, many in Calgary, many in every other community. And I just remember thinking, you know what? If it's not me, then they've got someone who's going to at least work their tail off for it. And then, of course, as soon as I put that out into the universe, I get the phone call. <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. And so, do you remember how the first one went for you, or the first couple went for you? I know you mentioned like. Oh, I do. I remember the first one like it was yesterday. It was a young couple who wanted to just do a little elopement. They picked the spot, this beautiful little outlook on the north side of the river in a little residential, kind of just south of Glenora on the other side of Stony Plain. And I met them there and I was so nervous. I did all my research and, you know, I wrote the script and I'd give anything to have a recording of that because I don't think it was that great. But it was, all I still use that spot that they introduced me to. I still use that place as a free public place, a beautiful place to get married in Edmonton. And I've done a handful since then. So I learned something on that first day. And I, that's the goal every time to learn something and do better. Do you feel a sense of nostalgia when you do go back there? Is like, these were my roots. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. I could walk to that place right now from my house. It's you know, about a 25 minute walk and it's, it's a beautiful outlook. It's a special spot for you always remember your first one. Absolutely. Our first uh, wedding that we did, we were so fortunate enough to have uh, had a mutual friend of ours that they had a friend that was getting married in Jasper and we had never filmed a wedding. I had only second shot one wedding prior to launching Wagging Tell Studios in 2017. And they took a chance on us. Uh, it was for free. We did it for free. But that's what kickstarted us. And yeah. I will always be grateful to that couple, Laura and Jordan, for uh, taking a chance on us. Oh, wow. Because if, if they didn't take a chance, who knows where uh, I'd be right now. We might have not even had a business at all. You even remember their names. That is so good. I feel bad. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look, but that's a great way to look at it. You know, someone's got to take a chance on you and you've got to work your tail off and do your best. Yeah. And funny enough, when I first met them, it was about six months prior to their wedding. I had met them at a coffee shop. And once I got to know them, I had actually asked them if it would be cool if I proposed to my now wife, Jessica, the day before their wedding at the Athabasca Day Use area in Jasper. And they say, yeah, they were all up for it. So Jeez. I actually proposed to uh, Jessica the day before and they absolutely loved it. So it was pretty cool. Like, what a great was... story. Your business, your wife, your personal life, it all comes together in this like, God, what a great story. That's so cool. Yeah, I was nervous, but I'm so glad I got it captured on film and the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyhow, let's speak a little bit about how the pandemic impacted you. Because I remember, as I mentioned before, when we really had the last time we talked about the business, it was right about the uh, beginning of uh, the pandemic in 2020. Can you kind of walk me through on how you were able to navigate through that? Because I imagine as all vendors in the wedding industry, we all had to pivot mm -hmm. during that time. And we all had to adjust the way we were providing our services, the way we were doing everything. Right. Really, the big thing for me, I mean, obviously, and for you and for any vendor was wedding sizes got smaller. So no longer were there big 150 person weddings, there weren't even 50 person weddings. I don't even remember what the exemption was at the time. I think it was, you know, for a while, it was 10 indoors, and then it was 20 if you were outdoors. 
I had the pleasure of, of working with so many great couples during the pandemic who were so hypersensitive to their guests and their vendors' safety with masks, spacing, sanitizing, individual meal wrapped. I was so impressed at the lengths that so many couples went through to ensure that their vendors and their guests and their families were safe. Uh, they could still have their day, even if it wasn't the way that they had originally planned. And really the the result now is we just finished the wedding season of 2022 is this backlog of weddings that need to, that are getting done. And this past summer was just, it was the busiest ever. I would love to see the numbers. Like I'm pretty sure summer 2022 will be the busiest summer in the history of, of Alberta wedding statistics. Like I, numbers, it just, it's going to be huge. And I think this upcoming summer will be, will be just as big. So, you know, there was some pivoting. Weddings got smaller, more living room, more backroom wet backyard weddings, no big hall weddings, no big gatherings. And then a lot of people just putting it off and waiting until this year to have that big day. And then some even off until this next summer. So love finds a way. It definitely does. And you talked about how your couples were so focused on making sure that everyone was safe and everyone was looking after each other. I think that's amazing. That's where their focus was because we had that a lot with our couples as well, where it was very important to them that we weren't just abiding by the rules because it was the law, but it's because we were actually really looking after one another. Yeah, and the same could be said for the vendors. Everyone was really considerate and worked extra hard to make sure that, that everyone was safe. I mean, I love Albertans. I'm proud to be an Albertan. It was a challenging time for us, but the resiliency of Albertans and their willingness to go the extra mile to protect one another was is something I will never forget. It was very hopeful. Absolutely. And I, I can agree more. Was there a specific wedding that stood out for you or a location, a unique location for you? You mentioned backyard weddings, living room weddings. Yeah. Was there a wedding location or, or in general that stood out for you? You know what really stood out would be weddings got smaller. And then it was companies like yours, Kevin, the Wagging Tail Studios. It was, I felt like you would go to a wedding and it would be in someone's living room and it would be like the shoot for a daytime soap opera. There'd be so many cameras, everyone's wearing a microphone. And then you would look into these cameras and there would be like family from Brazil. It was like these world destinations were brought to living rooms. And it was so fun for me as a commissioner to have like five people in the room, but like 500 people watching a stream. And it was fun to like welcome everyone from all these countries. And I found ways to have some interaction between the couples and their virtual guests. And those were really interesting. And there were so many great vendors, like I say, really technically inclined vendors like yourself who got so creative and were able to provide that great wedding day for these couples with these great solutions, these great technological solutions that were just wonderful. As we mentioned before, like we all had to pivot. And if you wanted to ride the wave, you had to do things differently. Yeah. And it was not going to say it was uh, fun always because with every job, there's uh, times where like it's challenging and it really pushes you and makes you question sometimes why you're doing what you're doing. And But I think in the end, like it goes back to the couples and your why and why you got into this in the first place. And for me, it's the relationships. It's creating something for those couples that experience and 
in our case, films and photos that live on will have for a lifetime, yeah. right? I'm so glad that uh, we were able to go through that, but I don't think I would be the first one would say that I would want to go through it all over again. Oh, uh, yeah. Once one worldwide pandemic is enough for me. I've learned my lessons. I've been restored with faith and hope and science and, and the, again, the way that people protect one another. But man, I like big weddings. I like lots of people. I like couple glasses of wine and you know what I mean I like to, to dance and I love to see aunts and uncles and and people families coming together and dads shaking hands and like you just there's no amount of technology can make that happen now before we uh started this recording we talked about your own personal wedding that you had in 2021 yeah. talk to me about how that process was you know being on the other side and just going through all the stages from the inquiry to... Yeah. As far as, as the commissioner part went, it's a really short story because I emailed every commissioner in Calgary, Banff, and we got married in um, Lake Louise at the Chateau Lake Louise. I emailed every marriage commissioner, Banff, Canmore, Calgary, and one person was had availability. Wow. That was it. And his name is Aiden. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm available. And he was the only guy. Because it was busy, we got married kind of at the tail end of the restrictions. Mm -hmm. And um, for our ceremony, I'm a marriage commissioner. So I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it. I, I, uh, my wife and I lived long distance for three years. So I lived in Edmonton and she was in Calgary. And uh, I used to write her cards and letters all the time. And she saved all those cards and letters. And she would start mailing me cards and letters. And I saved all those. And then when it came time to write the ceremony, I went through all of our cards and letters. And I wrote the ceremony. Did you also write her vows for you? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't because she, she did such a great job. But it was, yeah, so I wrote the ceremony and, and provided it to the commissioner and he came and delivered it and did a great job, filed the paperwork and got us through all the, the, the I dottings and the T crossings. Yeah, awesome. That's amazing. It's so cool to be on the other side. I know when mm -hmm. Jessica and I got married, it was so tough for me to not be the director on the day. <laughs> You're right. And, yeah. You know, we had hired professionals. We had a very small micro wedding. It was just our parents and us. And for us, it was really important for everyone to feel included. But at the same time, like I was just on the tail end of our wedding season. And I definitely had a part of me where it was like, I need to direct myself. Or I got to direct the whole situation. But I'm like, nope, I got to soak it all in. I got I to gotta let go. That's such a great, you know, and I just, before, again, before we started this call, I, I had met another couple tonight. And I would love to say that this is my advice, but it's, I didn't write this or come up with it. Another vendor did, and I wish I could remember her name or his name to credit them. And they did what you did, which is interview vendors, mm -hmm. commissioners, caterers, wedding dress, like interview a bunch of them and then do your homework, then hire the ones that you believe in and then let them do their job because they will do it. I'm so constantly blown away at the level of professionalism of the overwhelming majority of vendors that I deal with, whether it's videographers, photographers, caterers, wedding planners, they would sooner eat poison than to see a bride or a groom or a family member unhappy, confused or lost. Like they... Just, just the level of service that's provided by the people in our business is in our city and in our province is always so impressive to me. 
So yeah, you got to let it go. Like you want to direct your own wedding. You are a professional. I went and did a power move and wrote my own script, but I couldn't deliver it. I had to let someone else do it. And it was beautiful. And I would give that advice to any bride or groom. I would say, do your homework, hire good people that you trust, and then let them do the job because they want to impress you. You're not in this business for any other reason than you want to please. This is a pleasing business, an industry. Let people do their job. Absolutely. No. And this is a good segue because I want to talk about the process that you go through with your own couples. You've done over 340 weddings at this point and counting. So walk me through when a couple inquires with you, what can they expect and yeah, what happens? Yeah, that's a great question. And with all wedding vendors, you know, whether it's a caterer, I always use the caterer example because it's the easiest one. No one would ever call a caterer and say, hey, I'm getting married October 14th. I want food. What kind? I don't know. And just hang up. Like you would never do that, right? Like what if you're allergic to shellfish? What if you don't like red meat? What if you don't like meat? Like no one would call a caterer and say, just bring me food and then hang up. Like it just, it's not enough. Yet I find when I was taking on this sort of role, some people would call marriage commissioners like, yeah, I just want to get married. And I'm like, okay, but we should talk about two things first. So when someone reaches out to me, hey, we're interested, we want to get married, we don't understand the process. I do two things with my couples. Number one is I talk about how do you get married? What paperwork do you need? How many witnesses? Who files it? What happens when I get married? Does the government send me anything? So I sort of walk you through A to B because any marriage commissioner or member of clergy is going to have to tell you the same stuff. So, you know, that is good knowledge. Whether I'm your marriage commissioner or not, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is I always like to say every marriage commissioner will get you from A to B. A is not married. B is married. There's some space in between. How do you want your ceremony to go? I like to start by by talking about the very few things you must do on your wedding day in order to be married, which are, as you know, very few. Mm -hmm. And then let's build the rest of it. It's kind of like, I want a house. Okay, well, a house is four walls and a roof. Now let's decorate it. What do you want inside? What color do you want the walls? How many rooms should there be? How thick should the carpeting be? Do you want carpet? I like to start from you know the studs or the ground zero and then add the things we know we have to do and then flesh the rest out with stuff couples want to do. And often when I leave couples with that sort of empowerment, I find that those that are interested in having that level of involvement in their day are very interested. Some are not and are less interested and, and I have sort of packages to serve those people too. But I find that that's what people are looking for these days. They, they want more personalization. They want personality. Yeah, and that, that's something that has always stood out to me about the ceremonies that I have captured with you officiating them is there's such a, a personalized touch to it where I thought I knew my couples pretty well going into the, the wedding day and then here comes uh, Dave Sawchuk and I'm like, well, I didn't ask these questions and now I feel like I know so much more. Honestly, that what I tell my couples when I meet is, and we talk about their ceremonies, I go, the greatest compliment I can get on your wedding day from a member of your family or a friend is for them to come up to me and say, how long have you known them? I didn't know they, and I go, I don't know them. You know, like I'm a marriage. How do you know what she was wearing on their first date? How did you know? And I go, well, because I ask questions, I do a consultation and they tell me their stories. That's the best compliment you can get is these family and friends who think that you are somehow part of the family 
and that you have effortlessly retold these moments in their life that are either new or sort of this great memory to remember in that public setting, you know, and that just takes questions and answers and time. For sure. And you mentioned time. I'm curious to know, since you've been doing this for close to five years now, has your approach changed when it came to getting to know your couples and the, the questions you ask? Absolutely. Yeah, because some couples or some questions resonate really well and others like I started with and I've had to modify and change. So I've got like a nice sort of 15 sort of standard questions. And then depending on the answers or the excitement level on certain questions, then there's sort of a subset of questions that go with that. And then the, the point is just to keep pushing or asking until they start talking. And then as soon as you found that vein, then you just keep tapping it. It blows me away. And it probably does. You meet these couples. You are a stranger to them. Mm -hmm. I'm a stranger on the internet. And they take a phone call with me. They take a video call. They hire me. And then we have one more meeting. And they tell me some stuff their friends and family don't even know. Like, hey, we met online. But can you tell everyone we met at the dog park? I've had that. But I know that. Yeah. So it, like people are so, they're trusting. And I take that very seriously. It's a tremendous honor to be to have those details shared. And the more open people are, the sometimes it's the, the easier it is to do my job, I guess. And it says a lot about your character too, because I truly believe that you're either really meant to do this or you're just to do a job. And I truly believe that you really care about your guests and the couples, right? Thank you. To me, it says a lot that these couples have put so much trust in you to be able to spill their guts and their emotions and their feelings to this complete stranger that they just uh, met online. Yeah. Because what could possibly go wrong with that? Yeah. And then say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see you in the summer and, and you're going to tell these stories and to 120 people. And obviously, when I work with my couples, I, I want them to approve everything I say before I say it. But I think the modern couple, they want their ceremony to be theirs. And the only way to make it yours is to tell me or to tell someone or else it's going to sound like everyone else's. Mm -hmm. You know, so many couples, and you probably get this too, right? They're proud of their story and they should be. They're in love. This is my person. I will never, ever be tired of telling people how I met my wife, how I courted her, the ups and downs of our first few years, how I proposed, like... I think every couple is proud of their story. And if you just ask and listen, you'd be surprised how much they'll tell you. Yeah, I believe in our industry, one of the things that we could all do better at is listening. And I know I can. I agree with you. Less talking and more listening. And you'll be surprised what you find out when you do that. I couldn't agree more. You know, we are the experts, obviously. And if someone's coming to us for our expertise and our knowledge, but an innocent new eye on something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Can bring so much brilliant knowledge. Like, well, why don't you just do it this way? It seems easier. Oh my God, that's a great idea. I didn't, I've only been doing this for five years and I've never thought of that. There's always something to learn and listening to your clients is so important. Absolutely. Do you believe there are any major misconceptions about the whole process of hiring a marriage commissioner and just going through the whole process of making sure it's legal? I think the first misconception is that it's complicated. To get married is complicated. It's just not. It's one piece of paper, two sober Albertans who have a marriage license, two sober witnesses, and a marriage commissioner or a member of clergy. I mean, it is really simple. I think more than ever in our province, and I'm not sure about the rest of Canada, it is your love is your love. Your story should only be told, only represent your, you and your partner. 
And it's the little things, Kevin. It's explaining to my partners, my clients, you know, you don't have to use the term husband or wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know that? No, I didn't. You don't need to be announced as one last name. I don't have to stand up and say, if someone objects to this, let's duel a 10. Like, I think what a lot of Albertans think, and, and it's what we know from Hollywood and you know, as we think that that's the way it goes. I think the misconception is that it's, it's, it's a lot of paperwork and it's complicated and that it has to be one size fits all. I would say those are the two big misconceptions. That's really uh, good to know because when Jess and I went through that process, it was all new for like we had never uh, been married before. Uh, and it was interesting to go through that process and really know what we had to do. And funny enough, we're talking about funny stories. We were in such a rush at the registry when we got our, uh, is, I guess, is our license? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, license. We didn't properly uh, read over the names that were put on the license. And so, funny story is that they actually had misspelled Jessica's, one of Jessica's uh, middle names. And we didn't realize it until the day of the ceremony. Mm -hmm. And it's only it's taken what, five years now for us to finally correct that. And we had to go to a notary a couple weeks ago yeah. to get that fixed. But it's funny, it has taken us about five years to, to fix a single spelling error in Jessica's uh, middle name. So yeah, it, it's funny. Definitely read the fine print and oh, yeah. make sure yeah. you read your names. Yeah, it's funny because we see spelling mistakes all the time, right? So human beings type up these documents. They get laser printed at the registry. But I mean, a human ticky tacks on a typewriter on a keyboard can put that into a computer to press print. And humans make mistakes. I make them all the time. It happens, right? So the, the advice I give my couples when they go to the registry is I say, here's what you do. You pick a date. You circle it on the calendar. And you say, that's going to be our registry date night. We are doing nothing else that night. Don't be in a rush. Go there for five o'clock, stand in line for however friggin' long it takes. It seems like every time I go to the registry, everyone in West Edmonton is there paying their parking tickets. <laughs> You're going to get to the front of the line. You have to fill out that sheet of paper. They're going to print the license and don't rush out of there. Make sure your names are spelled correctly. When it's done, put it in the big stupid envelope they give it to you in, and then go to dinner. And that's your hot date night. Like, just give yourself one evening to make sure this document's correct. Because as you know, the repercussions can be, you know, time consuming. And don't lose it. Oh, yeah. Don't lose it. Don't fold it. Don't bend it. Don't rip it. Don't put a coffee mug on it. The one and only time I've been a best man a few years ago, the uh, bride and groom had misplaced the folder. Uh-oh. And we didn't realize that until the beginning of the ceremony. So... They end up making it legal the next day. But yeah, definitely uh, keep it in a safe place and uh, make sure that it doesn't get folded or bent. It's the one document that makes your really expensive party a wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So let's talk about more than just the, the couple themselves, because now that we're back into doing more weddings that we're accustomed to seeing pre-COVID, there's a lot of guests that tend to come and be a part of the whole process. So walk me through how you like to incorporate the guests and the family that are there to support yeah. their uh, loved ones. That's a great question. And when you think about a wedding, 
couples, you know, they get a venue, they, they get catering and they, they plan all this stuff. And then, oh yeah, we're going to have a ceremony. And then they, you know, the couple I just met earlier this evening that got 145 people coming to their wedding. So I always start by saying 145 people, okay, are going to travel from Newfoundland or Ontario or Lower Mainland BC. They're going to come to Spruce Grove on a certain day at a certain time. Women are all going to buy new outfits. They're going to do their hair. They're going to look incredible. Guys are going to are going to dry clean their suits. They're going to polish their shoes. They're going to do their hair. They're going to sit for you. And then what? You know what I mean? Like you'd better say thank you. Yeah. Like I, I'm a believer of that. So when I perform ceremonies, whether there's 20 people or 200 people, I think it's important to get some of the story behind that gathered friend group. And there's always a story, whether it's the, the friend that set them up, the sister that went above and beyond for this event, a family that came from Dublin, Ireland to be here on this day at this moment to watch you cross the threshold to marriage. There are always stories. And I find when you acknowledge the existence of the hundred plus people in the room and don't pretend they're not there, like, because they're there. Mm -hmm. And often they're holding their breath, their shoulders kind of up. Oh God, like they're, it's almost like people wait for something bad to happen at a wedding. And I don't know why. As soon as you can acknowledge that they're there, thank them and remind them of their presence and their influence on the couple and just, you know, thank them. And, and maybe there's a story or two in there. I find the ice gets broken. The pressure in the room gets released. People, ah, oh, okay, we're going to, this is going to be some fun. Like it's going to be charming and it's going to be genuine, but it's not going to be just me getting talked at. Mm -hmm. So that's the big thing. And then, and then the other thing is, you know, when dealing with vendors like yourself, whether it's photographers, videographers, making sure that that sight lines are clean, that audio is good. The last thing you want is to have that 140th person at the back of the room who's traveled from Calgary or Calcutta and they can't hear or they can't see what could be yeah. worse. So really working with your couples and saying, Hey, this is your day. There's no doubt about it. But for just a minute, Let's remember that a lot of people that love you have made a huge commitment to just be here. Let's acknowledge that. And acknowledge the uh, bartenders too, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not why people go to weddings for uh, free drinks, right? Uh, the open bar has never hurt one as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Walk me through, I guess, how couples can better prepare themselves for their ceremony. Yeah. Because you've you've done so many by this point now. You've seen the good, the bad, and probably the ugly. Walk me through how the couples that you've worked with in the past, the ones that you found were the most comfortable and at ease at the ceremony, how did they get to that point? What can they do? What can they do? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to something we talked about a while back there, which is you know, interview your vendors, meet with them. I'm a big believer in seeing someone's face. You know, whether it's over the video or whatever, you know, it was more than a phone call. I want to see, I want to see, interview your vendors, find the ones that speak to you. You feel like you can trust them and then hire them and then trust them. Just trust that they would sooner, again, eat poison than to see something not desirable happen on your day. I just believe in my heart, every vendor I've ever worked with believes in that. As far as getting to that great ceremony space, I find that couples that come in with an idea of what they want or even knowing what they don't want is valuable. Because sometimes I'll meet couples to go, how do you imagine your ceremony going? And they go, 
we don't know. You know, I've only been to five weddings before and four of them were at a church. They don't know. And I go, okay, what don't you want? And they're like, oh, I know that. Like, I don't want A, B, and C. If these things happen, I'm going to go crazy. And I go, great. Well, we won't do those things. Now that we know what you don't want, let's talk about some options for the things that you might. So coming in and, and having seen some weddings helps. Doing some research on your own helps. Having a vision is good. But if you come in with just what you don't want and you're open to ideas, great videographers, great wedding planners, commissioners can provide suggestions. Is there any tips on stage fright? Because it can be very intimidating. Absolutely. The big one for me is I'm a big believer in personal vows. I think that if you've invited if you've invited 100 people to your wedding and I'm your commissioner, no matter how much research I've done on you, no matter how many times we've talked, no matter how many of your stories I tell, I am still a stranger to your friends and family. They want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So I think doing your own vows is good. So I work with my couples on a few different uh, techniques to ensure that they sound good when they're delivering their own vows and they look good while they're doing it. So their videographer, people like you and Jessica and, Jessica and photographers can take good pictures. They can sound good. They can look good. They can do it with confidence. And, you know, I always end that little chat when I meet my couples. I say, listen, it's your wedding day. You could go up there and burp the alphabet and your family is going to love it. They are. They just are. So if you go up there and you speak from the heart and you, you stumble a few times, you cry, that only makes it better. So picturing everyone naked is probably not the best. <laughs> I guess that's, is that, is that old school way of looking at it? I've been doing ceremonies for five years. I was on the radio for 20. I, you know, I come from a, a mild theater background and I can honestly say I've never pictured anyone naked to calm myself down. <laughs> I've never, I've been, to me, it's about preparation. If I've done my homework and I've prepared, I'm always a little nervous every time I get ready to do a ceremony. I can't lie. I'm nervous every time. And as soon as I'm not nervous, I'll know that's when it's time for me to get out. I can attest to that. It's uh, it's a good pressure that you put on yourself. Absolutely. It's a performance. Like, make no mistake about it. Your 100 guests have shown up to hear and see something. Hire someone that's going to give it to them and highlight you and make you look and sound great. Absolutely. Let's talk about this year, 2023. It's already in full swing here. How's this year looking for you? really busy already. I, I don't have the numbers, but um, my wife has convinced me to take a few weekends off this summer. <laughs> I, I took one weekend off last summer. Oh my goodness. I think I'm tripling it to three this year. So I'm trying to find a few more weekends away. But as I mentioned off the beginning, you know, I think we're still experiencing a bit of a, a COVID backlog. Okay. And I think 23 is going to be another really, really busy year. Summer, for sure. Do you see any trends, like new trends that are are coming down? From a ceremony standpoint, I, I think more, more and more couples that I speak to, again, if, if they don't know what they do want, they know what they don't want. And what they don't want is a lot of formal language. What they don't want is something stuffy. What they don't want is something cold and clinical. What they do want is some laughs. What they do want is their own story told. What they do want is references to friends and family. They want the ability to, to control it. If I wanted a pizza right now, I pick up my phone, push two buttons, and I can pick the topics. I mean, we are in control. What do you want to watch? Open Netflix. What do I want to listen to? Open Spotify. 
We are in an on-demand world when we're consuming media. Why should anything be any different You know, when it comes to your wedding? You should decide what you get. And I want to empower couples to do that. And I think more than anything, the trend would be people coming, wanting something more fun, wanting something less formal. They still, obviously, we, if this is your wedding day and there's still great ways to make it genuine and, and sweet, uh, but without all the formal mumbo jumbo. That's the thing I would say from a trend standpoint that's that's going away. Yeah, and, and from my experience, been doing this since 2017, I've definitely seen an evolution with our weddings in that our couples are wanting to make them more unique. Yeah. Add more personal touches. And again, it goes back to what's important to them. And I really believe that the ones that have more intention behind them are the ones that, for me at least, That's a good word. have uh, stood out. I love all of our couples. I love all the weddings that we've done. But the ones that have really stood out for me are the ones where there was intention behind everything. And nothing was just thrown in because they felt like they had to have it there. There was no fluff. Mm-hmm. They got a nice, clear vision. And they want to work with you. I mean, you're an artist. I mean, I watch your videos. I see so many great wedding photographers. And I'm glad they don't look the same. Everyone's work is unique. And you're hiring an artist. Find someone whose art you love, hire them, trust them, and let them make art for you. Couldn't agree more. Now, you, you did talk about pizza before. I have to ask you, does pineapple deserve to be on pizza? Absolutely. Love it. Sign me up, man. <laughs> All right. That, that, that may be the, the most controversial thing that has <laughs> happened or said on this podcast so far, but I will uh, stand with you on that. I, I do love a good uh, Hawaiian pizza. Oh, me too. It's juicy, sweet. Goes, I mean, it's roasted. It's It's got, oh, it's so good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much so far with everything you've shared. I think you bring such a personal touch to the weddings that you've commissioned. And I can see that it's not just a job for you. It's something that is in you to give. I know that sounds cliche and maybe hokey pokey, but this is why I believe it's so important for couples out there, if you're listening, to really do your research, really find the vendors that you connect with. Because we love what we do, but you know what? We're not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone likes pineapple on pizza, man. And I am pineapple on pizza. (laughs) Not everything is for everybody. And that's okay. I don't think any vendor is going to be upset if you don't like their art. But you know, you do your research, you hire the ones you like, and you will, you know, whether it's a photographer or whatever, man, I, I agree with you. I just think it's everyone in this business is passionate. Yeah. If you don't have that passion, you're not going to last very long in this industry. Yeah. You're, it's just not, you're not going to have any fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, spe- speaking of fun, let's talk about some, some funny stories because I've seen some pretty funny stuff happen at ceremonies. I want to know from you, like some, some of your all-time favorite funny stories. Okay. So I'll give you the, this one. I call her the four-hour bride. So this was a couple summers ago. This is pre-COVID. And uh, so I go out to this venue. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it's blazing hot outside. It's like 30 degrees. All the guests are inside. I show up at like an hour before ceremony time because I kind of got there early. No one's there. Not a single person. And I'm like, wow, okay. Slowly people start rolling in. So now it's sort of 40 minutes goes by. The room is full. It's 20 minutes to ceremony. It's so hot in there. You know, people need water. There's no air conditioning. 
and there's there's these bottles of water, like those big bottled water, but there's no water in it. And there was a cooler that had like bottled water, but the cooler was locked and we couldn't find anyone that worked there. So I went under the bar and I grabbed a bunch of solo cups, like those big solo cups. And I just started giving them out to guests. I'm like, hey, like I'm just the marriage commissioner. I'm hot. You're hot. We're going to get some water. Let's go to the washroom and we'll we'll drink the water out of the tap. So uh, we drink a bunch of water out of the tap. And then the groom shows up like at ceremony time. Like the wedding starts at one. He shows up at one. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, we're just you know, a few minutes behind. Bride will be right here. So all the while, the guests are inside this blazing hot venue. They're sweating. They're drinking water out of the tap. <laughs> and then the owner of the venue shows up. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm Dave. I'm just the marriage commissioner. But some of these bottles of water are empty. And he goes, oh, did you drink all the water? And I said, no, there was no water in it when we got here. We've been drinking water out of the tap. He goes, what? You've been <laughs> drinking that water? You shouldn't be drinking that. And I'm like, well, people are thirsty. It's so anyway, so I'm thinking, oh, no, people are going to, who knows what's going to happen. I'm nervous. Yeah. And the bride showed up three hours later. So the guests waited for the bride. Oh, my God. Almost four hours late was the ceremony. And I had, by rights, I had every right to leave. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't. I had to find out what was going to happen. And she shows up and acts like nothing had ever happened. Right? It's like, oh, it's all good. Just a little bit late. I'm on time. I couldn't believe it. It was it was incredible. It was just absolutely incredible. And then the other great story, it was this most beautiful wedding I did in a small town in Alberta. The family had this incredible space, groomed, and a stage built, and overlooking this beautiful piece of farmland and handmade pews. I mean, it was truly the most beautiful vista on a private property I've ever performed a ceremony at. The bride's beautiful young woman, her groom, this strapping big guy. I mean, I'm 6'1", 210. He made me look small. Like he was a big guy, handsome. And they come out to do their vows and she just nails it. Mm. And he, it's his turn. He's getting them out like one sentence at a time. Oh my goodness. And he's he's crying. He's so emotional. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen was this monster, handsome man telling his person how much he loves her and why. And he was such a brilliant writer. His vows were so incredible. And he could only get them out like one sentence at a time. And there's all these great pictures of her, you know, as he's holding the microphone, sort of reaching up and like dabbing his tears. And then it became a funny that he couldn't do it. And then the crowd was cheering him on. And I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I get to just stand. I have the best seat in the house. I'm standing right there. Right. I'm like, this is better than any Hollywood performance I've ever seen. And I'm like two feet away from it. I will never, ever forget that couple. In fact, I saw them just this past summer. They've got a, they got a kid now. Their family oh, is wow. growing. They were at another ceremony. And we had another laugh about those vows. So I've been so lucky to be a part of so many beautiful, vulnerable moments. And then every once in a while, I get locked in a barn for four hours with no drinking water. So it's mostly up and, and <laughs> a few... <laughs> you got to be able to take the good with the bad yeah. in this industry. It's uh, you got to be prepared for anything, and I'm sure there's many more stories that we could probably go on oh, yeah. about and and uh, go back and forth with. But thank you so much for uh, coming on here. How can people find you on the World Wide Web? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm really easy to find. 
just Google Dave Sawchuk and you're going to find my Instagram and my Facebook and probably my website. Uh, but more specifically, my marriage commissioner business is identified on Instagram as Get Married Y-E-G. So Get Married Y-E-G, one word. That's where you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook page. And if you find a Dave Sawchuk on the internet who looks is from Alberta, tall with a beard, and the word wedding is used somewhere, it's probably me. Yeah. Well, you're one of a kind. So I have looked and there is no one else that looks like you or does it like you. Perfect. Well, I'll know that whenever that day comes, I'll know that there's some competition out there for in, in the Dave Sawchuk marriage commissioner business. <laughs> and hey, if you do this long enough, some of those couples that are building their own families, maybe one day you could do their uh, kids' uh, ceremony too. Isn't that the goal? Like, wouldn't it be great? Or for you, for you guys to shoot a wedding, where does the time go? That would be, honestly, you know, for right now it's just friends of friends and family members of friends. But when that day comes, and I hope that it does, that will be a very emotional, satisfying day. Well, on that note, thank you again so much for coming on here and uh, hanging out with me for this past hour, Dave. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait for our next adventure together. I'm sure we'll uh, be running into each other uh, in the very near future. (laughs) And we always do. (laughs) We always do. I always have the fedora and uh, you always have that... uh, strapping uh, suit going that that beard that luscious beard the beard has slowly become my calling card I, I shaved it off for november and i'm growing it back so it'll you know it'll be it grows so fast it'll be back by the end of next week yeah you gotta bring it back the mountain man look i loved it thanks man <laughs> awesome well thanks again and yeah we will uh chat soon i look forward to seeing you again kevin all the best to jessica too thanks for having me on my pleasure take care bye-bye Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Alberta Wedding Podcast. Each week, I will pull back the veil and introduce you to the faces behind the brands that you love in Alberta. Your feedback matters. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review and let me know what you think of this episode. Until next week, stay well and be merry.